Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The discussion about immigration in this country has become base and really vile, reduced in some cases to arguments over whether to deport people who were brought here illegally as infants and small children. But it's the changes to legal immigration that reveal the biggest threats posed by the Trump administration and show just how deeply immigration and this country's makeup might change if Trump has his way. For years, the H-1B visa has been a path for highly skilled immigrants to find work and a home here in America. But a recent policy move would alter the way those visas work, not for those who use them, but for their spousers. Our next guest came here 30 years ago on one of the H-4 visas available to H-1B visa spouses. She recently wrote in the New York Times, quote, President Trump is now poised to undo a 2015 Obama-era regulation that took a small stab at addressing the plight of people like her. Shikadalmia is a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation and author of that op-ed in the New York Times titled, Fixing the Involuntary Housewife Visa. Chica, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Mm-hmm. So let's start with uh, your personal story, <laughs> uh, which 30 years ago you came to America from India at the age of 23. Tell us what the circumstances yeah, thanks were. Thanks for announcing my age <laughs> on <laughs> right? air. Okay, but, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so my then husband, uh, who still uh, lives in the Detroit area and works for Carmanos, actually, mm-hmm. uh, we both came here on student visas from India. He was a physics student, and uh, he enrolled in a physics PhD program, actually in Louisiana. And I was a journalist back home, and I had a degree in, you know, biology and chemistry and um, I got a stu- I got I started enrolled in a graduate program in journalism as well um, at that time I mean it's a common route for especially for uh, immigrants from India and China to come here on student visas mm-hmm. develop some highly specialized skills and then apply for an h1b visa and which becomes a path to a green card Uh, student visas are non-immigrant visas. So you cannot actually apply for a green card directly on a student visa. H-1Bs allow you to do that. So it's a very crucial step. Now, when uh, Praveen and I came to this country, it used to take four years to go from an H-1B to a green card. Uh, I wasn't going to be sponsored for an H-1B by the Detroit News, even though I was an editorial writer over there Mm -hmm. for 10 years, because I, uh, you know, uh, as a journalist, all I have are writing and, uh, you know, writing skills. And there are plenty of Americans who write very good English and speak very good English. And so why there was no advantage that the Detroit News could prove to the Labor Department I would offer over an American worker. Praveen's situation was different because he actually went to Wayne State. We moved from Louisiana. He went to Wayne State University and he got a degree in medical physics, which was highly, highly prized. Mm -hmm. It's very technical, very specialized. And he managed to actually at that time get a job in Sinai Hospital, which doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) And that became our path to a green card. And, you know, so we came here in 85 and in 92, we had a green card. Well, the situation has very dramatically 
really changed since then. Uh, and the reason is that in this country, we have since 1965 had per country green card quotas. So that means a country like Kazakhstan, which is small and doesn't offer a lot of immigrants to the United States, has the same per country quota for green cards as India or China, which provide which enormous huge, numbers, huge, huge numbers. Country. So over the years, a backlog has developed of H-1Bs who are waiting for their green card. Estimates are that if an Indian techie were to apply for a green card today, it would take them 70 years to get their green card. Mm -hmm. And uh, that means that they would pretty much die in this country ever having gained permanent residency. Now, that's a problem for the H-1B holders, but it's an even bigger problem for their wives like me. I was on an H-4 visa when Praveen was on an H-1B visa. That's the spouse visa. And a spouse visa doesn't allow you to work, to work. in, this, in right. this country. So you have a, a, you know, a few hundred thousand Indian spouses uh, who are on H four V H four visas right now? Uh, because you know, fixing the per country you know green card quota would require Congress to act. Yes. What President Obama finally did in 2015 was give these women temporary work authorization so that they could at least join the labor market, not be permanently frozen out of it. And President Trump, who is uh, uh, hostility towards immigrants is just boundless. It's mm -hmm. not just illegal immigrants he's after, as it's you pointed legal. out. It's also legal immigrants. He is. He now wants to scrap that work authorization. They've issued a rule. They are going through all the you know legal or regulatory formalities. And in June, they they are kind of expected to scrap it as things yeah. stand right yeah. now. Uh, and what's so so galling about this, I guess, is that. It seems to to fly in the face of all of the rhetoric that you hear from people who are critical of uh, immigrants. Right. Uh, the idea that they might come here and quote unquote sponge off uh, the system and not contribute right. to the economy. Here's a rule that says you can't contribute yeah. to the economy, and you've got the Trump administration doubling down on that. Right. I mean, and you know, yeah. And what's also really galling is. That, you know, with the illegal undocumented immigration, I mean, it exists in this country because we haven't made enough guest worker visas available for, you know, migrant workers who do low skilled jobs. That's the single biggest reason why that problem even exists. It's entirely a function of our immigration policies. But in this case, these people are playing by the rules. Mm -hmm. They are waiting in line to get their green cards. And what's particularly perverse about scrapping this rule is uh, the, what the Obama administration did was it handed work authorization only to those spouses whose green card petitions had already been approved, but they had to stand in line till their turn came and the backlog cleared. So they are here to stay. Yes. They can't be deported. And yet, and you know, I but mean, now I, we're going to tell them they can't work. They, and we're going to tell them they can't work. And these women, you know, I had a degree, I had a bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry. A lot of these women are far more qualified than I was when I came to the country. They have advanced degrees in, you know, sciences. They have worked, you know, for many years in India. Mm -hmm. So these are, you know, highly skilled people tend to marry other highly skilled people. And, uh, you know, these women are frozen out of the market. So they call it, as you pointed out, the involuntary housewife visa because mm -hmm. their only option is to stay at home and make 
make babies, essentially. Yes. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Sheikha Dalmia. She's a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation and author of a recent op-ed in the New York Times titled Fixing the Involuntary Housewife Visa. We are talking about changes that the Trump administration would like to make to the H-4 visa, which was for spouses uh, of people who here on uh, H-1B visas. Uh, we're talking about the changes to legal immigration that the Trump administration is trying to make. Uh, have you had to deal with that legal immigration system here in the U.S.? Do you know uh, someone or uh, are you someone who has to work and live here on an H-4 or an H-1B visa? What have those experiences looked like? And do you think we should be bringing in more highly skilled people from outside the country? Or do you view that, as the president seems to, as a threat? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Um, the... In my intro, I talked about this assault on legal immigration, which I really strongly believe is the ultimate motive of, of the Trump administration. I think the, the the rhetoric about illegal immigration is, in fact, a proxy for right. uh, a kind of ethnic cleansing right. that uh, the administration wants to, to affect. This, however, this this change doesn't really get them there, I guess, because these, as you point out, these are people who can't be deported. Uh, it, it, I'm, I guess I'm having a hard time understanding what the motive here is mm -hmm. at all. Well, two motives. I mean, one is they just want to make life so difficult for immigrants. So that all, they might not come. So that they are discouraged from coming here in the first place. Uh, so that's, you know, that's motive number one. The second motive is it plays to the, you know, the working class populist base of the president. Mm -hmm. I mean, their argument is, uh, you know, and it's interesting coming from a conservative administration, sure. right? I mean, all about markets and freedom and, uh, you know, what have you. Uh, uh, they want to uh, c communicate to their base that they are protecting their jobs, you know that so one of the arguments that you hear from the people who actually sued the Obama rule, uh, the Obama work authorization. By the way, a group called Save USA, which has connections to uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform, a Michigan-based ethno-statist outfit that has forever been against immigration uh, because they want essentially a white Protestant country. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they, you know, but, you know, that may be their true agenda, but they can't openly state it. So they make economic arguments. And their argument is, well, if you give uh, work authorization to these women, you're getting two workers for every one H-1B. But the problem is these women are here to stay. It would be much better for the economy if they were allowed to be productive mm -hmm. and contributed, you know, contribute taxes and, you know, what have you. Uh, so, no, so the, you know, so the real motive here is, as you said, uh, you know, a certain idea of what America's ethnic makeup 
ought to be. And actually, the Trump administration is not even subtle about that anymore. Uh, The immigration reform, you know, the DACA deal fell because the administration was demanding a 50% cut in legal Mm -hmm. immigration. Mm -hmm. You know, they wanted to cut family-based immigration. They wanted to do all kinds of things to the H-1B program, which they are continuing to do administratively. So it was an all-out agenda and an all-out assault, uh, you know, from many, many different directions. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to continue our conversation with Sheikha Dalmia about uh, these H-4 visas. And we'll also get to the discussion, a quick discussion about the White House Correspondents' Dinner. She's got some interesting thoughts about that. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Ed in Detroit, we will get to you next. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Sheikha Dalmia. She is a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation and author of a recent op-ed in the New York Times titled Fixing the Involuntary Housewife Visa. We're talking about H-4 visas. Uh, we're also just talking about immigration and not just the discourse about illegal immigration, but the narrative coming from the Trump administration, about changes to legal immigration. Uh, What do you think about those changes? What do you think about the process to become a legal immigrant to this country? Is it already too hard and should be easier? Or is the Trump administration right to try to maybe raise the bar a bit and prevent people from coming here to become Americans. As always, uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Abdul in Warren. Abdul, welcome to Detroit Today. Good, good morning, Stephen. Hi, how Thank are you? Thank you for having me. Uh-huh. But I just wanted to say something that is, you know, it's like I sit back at home with my wife, we watch the news, and this immigration thing and barring people from this country, you know, we got to realize all of us as immigrants, the in, this is the Indians' country, man. Mm-hmm. The Indians, this is their place. So everybody here has came from somewhere else if you ain't Native Indian. So suppose the Indians say, I want y'all all out of here. <laughs> then what would we do? Right. Think about that. Yeah. No, Abdul. You have a great day. Thanks for taking my call. Man. I, I I really appreciate the call and the comments, and I think you're absolutely right, Abdul. Uh, there's some great irony in in those whose ancestors or families were immigrants to this country now trying to draw lines to keep uh, other people out. Uh, it's nativism for somebody right. else's land. <laughs> right, right. Uh, let's go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, uh, a great and timely conversation, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, we we hear every day that we don't have enough people who are uh, in the STEM uh, professions. Mm-hmm. Many of the spouses, and I should say that while most of them are women, there are a few men in this in this group mm-hmm. are, are highly educated. Uh, a lot of them in in STEM professions. And we could be using their talents to help our country and our economy. Yes. I would also say that it seems to me that the, the Trump administration 
would like to undo the Immigration Reform Act of the mid-1960s. Indeed, I think they would like to return us to the naturalization laws of the 1790s, Mm. when only white people could be naturalized as citizens of the United States. Right, right. Uh, And, of course, if you look at the history, you'll discover during the 1940s there were two cases of immigrants from India who were denied denied citizenship because they were not white at a time when India was, of course, an ally of the United States in the war against Japan and Germany. Sure. Uh, Ed, I I really appreciate the call and uh, that historical context. Uh, For listeners who who maybe don't know, the the law that Ed is referring to in the 1960s uh, reversed a long-standing American practice of using ethnic background and race uh, in its determinations uh, to to set uh, immigration uh, levels or, or barriers from certain countries, and and this became a very different country uh, as a result of that law. I I too agree that uh, it seems as though the Trump administration at least is interested in in having a discussion about changing that back to uh, something else, even though I would argue that's unconstitutional. I think uh, this administration is is interested in the ethnic change that would that would result. So, Ed, thanks very much for the call. Uh, before we run out of time here, Chica, I want to give you a chance to talk about the flap over the White House <laughs> correspondence. There's something I haven't talked about at all on the show because I, I actually think it's a huge distraction uh, and and not a huge deal. But but I thought you had some interesting thoughts on social media about it. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, well, one, one of the things I said was that the people who are most worked up about uh, Michelle Wolf's uh, uh, you know, so-called slam against uh, uh, Trump is that she was too vulgar Mm -hmm. because she made, you know, she referred to genitalia and, you know, used the F word Mm -hmm. and what have you. And (laughs) it's very ironic to me that, you know, people who voted for Trump should be complaining about (laughs) vulgarity here. I think they are, you know, they are the least entitled to do that. And listen, I mean, I, I I, I think the White House Correspondents' Dinner is just... You know, I don't like it. I think it's uh, too much, you know, cozying up to important people. It's, uh, you know, it's bad in many ways. But the one good thing, in my view, it does is that it forces for that one hour for the power brokers to sit over there and just take it. You know, it forces, it's a, it's a, you know, in that sense, it's very, you know, it's in keeping with our democratic traditions sure. that it cuts power to size. You know, it forces them to take the, you know, take pretty brutal attacks sometime. Although, you know, I think in the Obama years, there was again too much chumminess between the media and the sitting administration. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, but, you know, so. So I, here, here's the only thing that I've seen that, that, that bothered me. And I have to admit, I have not watched the entire uh, speech that Michelle Wolf uh, gave, but but I thought parts of it, the parts of it that I've seen, were quite funny. Uh, I I didn't like the I didn't like the the physical jab she took at uh, at Sarah Sanders. I thought that was probably beneath uh, beneath the event and and beneath the level of fair criticism that I think uh, those officials ought to expect to get from. From uh, from the press, you know, I mean, Sarah Sanders is a liar. She's a serial liar. She does it every day at the podium, podium in the press room in the West Wing of the of the White House. And I think she should be 
criticized and ridiculed for that as much as possible. But boy, that that really that really struck me as as over the line when I saw when I saw that comment. Well. Uh, listen, listen, I mean, because that's things, what the president does, right? right. It, well, <laughs> here's the thing. I mean, there were parts of it that made me somewhat uncomfortable. That wasn't one of them. I mean, look, <laughs> President Trump berated uh, other Republicans in the primary, sure. you know, in the most Based vicious on way. Their he tweeted the picture of Heidi Cruz mm-hmm. in a very unflattering way. So it really doesn't bother me that much <laughs> that, you know, Sanders had to sit there for 10 minutes and take a few jabs at her <laughs> appearance. So, but, you know, but. The Economist actually said it best. I mean, they said at this moment, with the Trump administration, the calls to civility are the calls to servility. Yes, and I think that's, that's what we ought to keep. True. Yeah, I think yes. that's what we ought to keep our that's focus on. That's what their on expectation to, is. Yeah, and you know, uh, reason actually, Nick Gillespie, my editor, wrote a piece saying, "Listen, let's just crap the White House Correspondents' Dinner," mm. and I'm fine with that. Except I don't want this moment to be the moment. Uh, for it to be scrapped. Because it's giving in to this administration. Right, it's giving yeah. in to, you know, the thuggishness of this administration. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, as always, Sheikha Dalmia, Senior Analyst, Reason Foundation. It's always great to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, the community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs>